You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. The Lazarus Group is back, or maybe it never really left. A Dun and Bradstreet database is compromised. More than 33 million are said to be affected. British Travel Association ABTA suffers a breach. Notes on identity theft. Netherlands voter information sites hit with DDoS. Turkish hacktivists or government operators are suspected. And the U.S. indicts four in the Yahoo breach. Two of them have FSB connections. I'm Dave Bittner in Baltimore with your CyberWire summary for Thursday, March 16th, 2017. The Lazarus Group is back. The North Korean hacking syndicate implicated in earlier instances of both fraud, as in the Bangladesh Bank Swift caper, and data theft, as in the Sony hack. Symantec has fingered the Lazarus Group for a wave of bank fraud in 31 countries. The Lazarus Group is widely believed to be a criminal operation run by and on behalf of the Kim regime in North Korea. The affected banks in the latest Lazarus Group campaign were concentrated in Poland, with the U.S., Mexico, Brazil, and Chile being home to other heavily targeted institutions. Pyongyang is facing an economic pinch that's squeezing even a society as austere and devoid of ordinary markets as the Democratic People's Republic of Korea. When China embargoed North Korean coal imports in response to that country's missile tests last month, observers predicted a surge of cybercrime to make good the loss of North Korea's single biggest source of funds. Pyongyang has denied any involvement with the Lazarus Group's activities, citing reports to the contrary as foreign provocations orchestrated from Seoul, Washington, and other parts of the civilized world. Dun & Bradstreet sustained a data breach that exposed contact information for some 33.7 million persons employed by companies and U.S. government agencies. DNB acquired the database when it bought Net Prospects in 2015, which should arouse some interest in cyber risk assessment during M&A due diligence. Who illicitly obtained the data, how did they get it, and for what end remains matters of investigation. There's been another, smaller, but still significant breach at ABTA, Britain's largest travel trade organization. ABTA disclosed that some 43,000 individuals may have been affected in an attack that came through a web server maintained for ABTA by a third-party vendor. Breaches of this magnitude always rightly arouse concerns about identity fraud. New Data Security's Lisa Bergen noted to us the role criminal aggregators now play in facilitating identity theft. They cross-reference and assemble surprisingly complete identities, which they sell on the black market. Such comprehensive identities are called FULs in the criminal markets, that's F-U-L-Z for those who may not speak leet fluently, and FULs enable criminals to do an awful lot in the name of their victims, including accessing victims' legitimate consumer and social media accounts. Younger people seem most targeted, lots of under-30s, and even more disturbingly, lots of under-21s. New Data shared some advice on how to reduce your risk of identity theft in social media. First, be selective and careful about who receives your status updates. Second, do some profile maintenance. Clean up your posts. Third, use the highest, most restrictive security settings available. Fourth, don't share personal information without necessity. Birthdays, addresses, phone numbers shouldn't be posted everywhere. Fifth, don't use obvious personal information for security questions, and don't expose the answers to security questions online. 
Your high school, your grandmother's name, your pets, all of these show up too often in authentication questions. Finally, watch for changes to your credit score and odd charges on your bank and credit card statements. And if you're a victim, by all means report it to police, banks, and others who can help you. Tensions between Turkey and EU members Germany and the Netherlands appear to have been manifested online, most recently in a distributed denial-of-service attack two Dutch voter information sites suffered yesterday. Many, perhaps most observers, see this as Turkish government-inspired and possibly Turkish government-directed. It demonstrates again the difficulty of distinguishing state action from patriotic cyber-rioting and also how low the barriers of entry to political influence operations have fallen. There's been an evolution of attacks from state-sponsored actors and hacktivists, and organizations are investing in a variety of technologies to help protect themselves. Tim Bandos is Director of Cybersecurity for Digital Guardian. From a state-sponsored perspective, um, basically these are groups of individuals or organizations that have the intent of stealing uh, you know, intellectual property, information that can either improve maybe their economy, uh, something that they can sell for for whatever reason. Um, and hacktivists is really you know, some sort of cause associated with breaking into an organization. One of the last companies that I worked for, one thing that we specifically worked on was you know, genetically modifying you know, uh, GMO-type technology, and that was heavily against uh, the, a particular threat group. Group. So they would commonly target us and attempt to break into our organization or cause some sort of denial of service. So take me through what are those types of attacks from those groups typically look like? From a state-sponsored perspective, you know, one thing that we would see is commonly, you know, targeting phishing emails, spear phishing attacks. But we also saw that evolution, right? They were leveraging third-party networks as an entrance vector, right? So they would target that organization and come in laterally, or they would leverage some sort of proof-of-concept technology that we just stood up out of nowhere, and they were even aware of that. So, so now you run into this: is there a potential insider also feeding, you know, outsider, you know, that that type of information? Even with all the advancements in technology, it, it still comes back time and time again to the human factor. And, and you know, you, you talk about um, insider threats. Um, you know, what's your take on the best ways to protect against that? Yeah, so from an insider threat perspective, it's one, having visibility into, you know, your data movement, where your classified files are, you know, understanding contextually your environment. Um, and then when you see those things triggering within a solution like a data loss prevention, you know, type technology, you can respond a lot quicker, right? And, and you're aware of that, you know, from that perspective. One thing that we saw a lot of times where our, when individuals actually leave a company, you know, they'll do a massive download to a, a USB device, um, you know, and then take that technology over to the new company. Uh, technology like DLP can actually prevent that type of, of activity from occurring or at least detect it and you know notify the, the analysts. But you're also hearing about technologies such as EDR, uh, Gartner termed the, you know, the endpoint detection and response um, uh, capabilities or technology. That's a huge push and I think everyone's you know, kind of moving towards that now. You know, gone are the days of just primarily relying upon antivirus or, or firewalls. Um, they really want to have visibility into what's actually happening on the endpoints because we're at this point now where we just assume that a breach is going to happen or it can occur. So, you know, notifying or, you know, identifying that activity when it, you know, occurs is, you know, I think success, right? And then you can kind of remediate and neutralize uh, the second that something happens. That's Tim Bandos from Digital Guardian. The U.S. Justice Department has indicted four men in connection with the Yahoo breaches. Three are in Russia, Dmitry Alexandrovich Dokuchayov, Igor Anatolovich Shushkin, and Alexei Alisayevich Balon. The fourth in Canada, Karim Baratov. Baratov and Balon are described as criminal hackers, but Dokochayov and Shushkin are said to be FSB officers. 
Major Dukachayov is in trouble with both the U.S. and Russia. He appears to be one of the FSB officers currently facing charges for treasonously providing information to Americans. Dukachayov worked in the FSB's Center 18, responsible for liaison with the U.S. FBI in matters touching cyber law enforcement. Police in Montreal have Baratov in custody, and he will probably wind up before a U.S. court. The others are being named and shamed. It appears that the FSB used criminals as, in effect, contractors. Balon and Baratov had apparently been turned by the FSB, which used them to help it gain access to Yahoo data. The FSB was presumably interested in sweeping up the sort of personal information that might prove useful in intelligence work, compromising potential agents, that sort of thing. Balon and Baratov were profiting on the side in the customary criminal market channels. American authorities have asked Canadian police to seize Baratov's snazzy cars. They assert that the rides should be forfeited as fruits of his criminal activity. So expect to see a swell BMW turn up at a U.S. Marshals auction near you. One owner, low mileage. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use with zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. And I'm pleased to be joined once again by Marcus Roshecker. He's the Cybersecurity Program Manager at the University of Maryland Center for Health and Homeland Security. Uh, Marcus uh, saw an article come by on the uh, Bloomberg Law uh, blog, a big law business, uh, and it was talking about how cyber lawyers are likely to be playing a bigger part in mergers and acquisitions. Yeah, I think that is true. Um, Lawyers are certainly playing a larger and larger role in the cybersecurity field in general. But when we're talking about mergers and acquisition deals specifically, I think lawyers are going to be playing a larger role because they need to look at and examine any potential problems that might arise um, for the company that is acquiring another company in terms of cybersecurity problems. 
there's, of course, the potential that the company that's being acquired has suffered a breach and doesn't even know about it yet. So once the merger or acquisition goes through, the company that has acquired the other company could potentially take on all of the issues associated with that data breach. And that could mean uh, huge costs later on down the road. So there needs to be some analysis of of these potential uh, issues. And I think lawyers are the ones to really help out in that regard. Yeah, and certainly the uh, the deal going through with Verizon and Yahoo has uh, brought this issue to uh, to the fore. Oh, absolutely, yeah. So um, these breaches were all revealed after the merger and acquisition um, negotiations had commenced already with Verizon, and so now Verizon, of course, is is uh, thinking about its dealings with uh, Yahoo. And a lot of uh, people were asking, well, does this mean? Now that uh, we know about these data breaches, that Verizon will pull out of the negotiations. But uh, it doesn't look like that's going to be the case. Apparently, the uh, acquisition price um, has dropped a little bit, um, about $250 million. Um, but that's not all that much when we're talking about a almost $5 billion deal. Yeah, you know, and I think this uh, this speaks to um, a trend that, that we've heard about certainly in the last year or so, which is that um, these cyber issues are gaining more and more attention in the boardroom. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I always say uh, cybersecurity is not only for the technologists anymore. Lawyers uh, and executives are playing a much larger role when it comes to cybersecurity. The boardroom needs to be fully aware of all of the cybersecurity issues that a company could be facing. And uh, that means that lawyers need to be involved as well to provide the legal advice when it comes to cybersecurity issues. So it needs to be a consideration at every level of a of a company, including from the boardroom all the way down to to the tech um, and, uh, and, and everyone else involved in the company as well. All right, Marcus Rochecker, thanks for joining us. Thanks very much. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And that's the Cyberwire. We are proudly produced in Maryland by our talented team of editors and producers. I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening.